It's time for the Comic Bing Comic Book Podcast. The podcast you look forward to for all of your news and reviews of the best comic books hitting stands. Whether it's DC, Marvel, Image, Boom, or whatever book or publisher you follow. We cover them all here. This is the place for you. That's right. It's for everyone. This is the Comic Bin Comic Book Podcast. Let's get it. Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Comic Bin Comic Book Podcast. I am your host, Dio, and yes, I know where the hell have I been. Uh, Sorry for the hiatus that uh, I've been on for the last few months. Uh, I promise by the time this episode is over, uh, I will have explained all that to you all. Uh, But this is a very special episode uh, to welcome ourselves back here at the Comic Bin. Uh, Today, I am going to play back a recent interview that I held with Joe Casada. Uh, the former editor-in-chief, former chief creative officer, executive vice president over at Marvel Comics. Uh, He sat down and we discussed his illustrious career over at Marvel and just in comics in general, as well as uh, what the future holds for him and some of the things that he's doing. And we also discussed his upcoming appearance at Fan Expo Canada in Toronto, Canada this weekend at the Metro Convention Center. Uh, I am going to be there covering the event and he is going to be there as well as a guest. Uh, He has a panel and of course he will have a table there at the con. So we discussed that a little bit as well. But like I said, I'm going to play that interview for you and when that is done, we'll come back and I promise I'll discuss what's been going on here at the Comic Bin and uh, what's next for us. But uh, here it is, my recent interview with Joe Casada. Hope you enjoy. So, everyone, welcome Joe Casada to the podcast. Joe, welcome. Wonderful to have you. you. Such a such a privilege. Oh, my pleasure, man. Hang on, we gotta let the the standing ovation settle down. You know, people are still clapping. All right, everybody, sit down, relax. All right, we're cool. All right, I think that was for you, both of you. It wasn't wasn't for me, but uh, how you doing, man? It's, I, it's I am doing pleasure. I am doing well. Again, it's awesome. it's just hot here in Louisiana, but hey, yeah. I'm gonna be in Toronto at the end of the month, other the you? month, just like you attending awesome. Fan Expo Canada, and hopefully it's cooler. Than it is here. We're in triple degree I'm weather. I bet it is. Yeah. If not, it's at least drier. So, you know. Yeah, we're, we're in triple degree weather. When, when you add the humidity, it makes it worse. So, it yeah. is no yeah. point. Yeah, I'm not a humidity guy. It's just, uh, <laughs> but I, I feel your pain, man. I feel like Will this be your first fan ex- expo or have you been there before? So, uh, this is my first fan expo in Canada. I've been to several. My very first was actually in Boston. And okay. when I visit there, and it was actually their first in Boston. I was. I oh, yeah, started, I was at that one. Yeah, I was. No, 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 no. I was at. Was I at the first in Boston? No, I was at first in Chicago. Sorry, my bad. Go ahead. Yeah, no, you at the first in. Yeah, because that that was. I think that was Stan Lee's last one, for mm-hmm. Fan Expo. Yeah. But I'd been begging them for years after that experience to come to New Orleans, and a few years ago they took over from Wizard World, so it's been. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and the, I'll tell you the one in Canada is remarkable. It's insane if you haven't been to it. It's 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 really great. Plus, Toronto's just a fantastic. Oh, city. I love Toronto. It's you know it's not my first time there. I've been there many yeah. times, but uh, Fan Expo, and I've been to again many cons before in my life as a collector, and but they just do it differently. You know, yeah. not to say anything bad about the other promoters, but Fan Expo just they do it differently, and that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's again. I, I have uh, signed a contract with them because I just well, first of all, the Aman who runs the show has been a, a longtime friend, huge huge supporter, and you know, so I could not not support him. But it's gonna be fun, so I'm looking forward to to going there. So we got our, we got our fan expo play out of there. All right, right out of the yes, way, man. That's right. They'll be happy. If, they'll be happy for that. I love I love giving them. I love giving them as much props as I can yeah. because again, they just do it differently, and and yeah. I've I've been. I've enjoyed every event that I've been to. And again, I've been to 
I've been to Chicago. I've been to New Orleans, of course. I've been to Boston, and yeah. I've been to MegaCon. It's to say it's the same Mega promoter. Cons. It's yeah. the the experience is always different. So I really yeah. appreciate it's, that. It's it's, it's, a, it's a great time for fans, man. So cool. Yeah, and I'll be there with my booth so folks can look for me. You know, and uh, unless I owe you money, in which case, you know, I'll duck you. No, I'll be there. I'll be there with money and books to get signed. So be on the lookout for me. Awesome, man. So, thirty years in the business. When it when it began back in back in the nineties, you you, according to your biopic, aka Wikipedia, uh, you know it all began with that twelve page portfolio. You know that you 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 presented. Well, I mean, it, it began a little sooner than that. I mean, I started as a colorist. But my penciling career began with a 12-page portfolio, um, and I got hired on got hired on the spot. Um, and it was it was a very very unique experience where, you know, I I, I designed this portfolio, which which you know I I, I actually I used to used to do this sort of uh, I used to t- teach a uh, creating a, a perfect portfolio class at some panels. Uh, I'm going to eventually rewrite that course for my my Substack newsletter okay. ne- within the next month I'll, I'll talk about it but it's 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 a way for artists it, it came out of being a colorist at Valiant meeting a lot of pencilers that would come in and just chatting them up and asking them uh tell me about you know when you when you submitted your portfolio tell me the things that went wrong right those are the things that I'm really the most interested in and truthfully I think people who are successful are happier to tell you about the the misses and the hits because the misses show the the obstacles that they had to uh, go through, you know, and, and to, to to become successful, right? So it, it becomes like their superhero story. Um, so I took those lessons and I uh, and I sort of compressed it into a twelve page portfolio that um, I got laid off at Valiant. They they had laid off like three quarters of the staff, so you know I got laid off and I and then I created this portfolio. And uh, I'm assuming you're going to ask this question, so I'm running with it. I don't know. But I I, uh, I went uh, back to Valiant and showed my portfolio to the art director, Art Nichols, at the time. Uh, I knew that they weren't hiring anybody, but I said, do you know anybody at Marvel? Do you know anybody at DC? He's like, I burned all my bridges at Marvel. If I send you to Marvel, they won't even open the door for you. But I know one guy at DC, this guy named Jim Owsley. He's an old friend of mine. He just got hired by DC, he was an ex-Marvel editor, just got hired by DC, maybe he'll see you. So he called Owsley. Um, you, I could tell by the phone call that he had no patience and did not want to see anybody, but acquiesced for art's sake. So I ran down to DC, or up to DC, sorry, they were uptown for where we were. I ran up to DC, uh, asked to see Mr. Owsley, and Mr. Owsley came out he looked at my portfolio. He closed it and he said, you're good. I'm like, thank you. He's like, I got no work for you. I'm like, man, that's what I heard. He's like, look, I'm brand new here. I only have, I, I inherited two books. I'm developing stuff, but I've inherited two books. And they're both, you know, these really sort of crappy TSR licensed books. And I'm like, ah, okay, no problem. And he said, you know, he looked at me and he, he was very intuitive. And he said, you don't have a job, do you? And I'm like, no, I'm kind of unemployed right now. And, and I've got like a week left on my calendar before I have to start really job hunting. I used to work retail. So I figured I could just go back to my old retail jobs. So he felt bad for me. And he said, you know, do me a favor. You see these three characters in this TSR book. Just give me an inventory cover. Just poster shot. I'm like, okay. So I went home, drew it, showed up at DC the next morning, asked for Mr. Owsley. Uh, eventually he shuffles out and he's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, here's your cover. And he was like, I I didn't need it now. I'm like, well, I got nothing to do. Here it is. So he said, okay, let's get you paid for this. Um, so he went back to his office. Uh, he was going to, to get me into the system but also he was going to talk to Bob Greenberger, who was the managing editor at that time, to see if there were any available jobs. And But he said, look, I'll, I'm going to ask Bob, but the truth of the matter is the chances of anyone here hiring a guy who literally walked off the street and giving them a full-time gig 
are zero, but I'm going to give it a shot. So he was gone, and he was probably gone for about an hour, and I was sitting in in, in, in reception. Uh, keep in mind, I also, also didn't even meet me in his office. He met me in reception, right? So, because uh, I was, I literally was a guy off the street. So, um, so Jim uh, leaves me waiting out there for like an hour or so, and the receptionist's phone rings. She picks it up. She hangs up. She's like, uh, Mr. Owsley would like to see you in his office. I'm like, oh, okay. So I wind my way. Big difference. Huh? Big difference than walking out to reception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I find his office and he's sitting there um, and he looks at me and he's like, um, let me ask you a question. What are the odds that while, while you're sitting in the waiting room, one of my two artists on one of my two crappy books should call me up and tell me to go blank myself and quit. And I said, I, I don't, I don't know you that well, you know, I'm thinking, but I, I guess pretty astronomical. He's like, what are the odds that I would give this title to a completed known who just walked off the street? I said, uh, totally astronomical. And, and to this day, if you, I'll never forget. He pointed his finger right in my face. That's a, just like I'm doing here. He said, so from this point on, Consider yourself the luckiest man in the history of comics. And he handed me a gig. That is and, awesome. And that story. was it. From that point on, I never wanted for work. The every project was a step up for the one I had before. I mean, Jim kept me busy, you know, um, and you know, eventually graduating to something like the Ray, they'd eventually graduated me into something like Azrael. So it's been a hell of a ride, but I never forget that. And 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 also, you know, for those who don't know who Jim Owsley is, Jim Owsley changed his name. He became Christopher Priest, who was the man who essentially, along with Reggie Hudlin, redefined the Black Panther, revived the Black Panther when we did Marvel Nights together. Jim, I can call him Jim because I knew him when he was Jim. If you don't know him when he was Jim, you have to call him Priest. Okay, that's right. So just anybody that's right. out there, don't call him Jim unless you know him. Um, Jim has been my mentor, uh, my one of my best best friends, uh, and and arguably to me one of the top three writers in comics. You know, uh, he's managed to. He's a guy that has been writing for decades, but his voice is always fresh and he's always on point. Um, and I just love I love him to death. So so you know, made a great friend and mentor, and you know, he's if, for those of you that don't like me. Blame, blame priest. He, he he is one of those individuals that you could. I met him at Baltimore a few years ago. He was at the uh, comic. He was at no. He was at the Heroes Initiative table. Yeah. And he is one of those individuals that you could stand at their table for hours and just listen oh to a smorgasbord of stories yep. on the history yeah. of the industry. Just such he's, a he's also he's also such a unique individual. So when I when I met him at DC. I remember I, I was dropping off some pages like late in the day and and he's like, hang on a second, I'll be right back. And he leaves his office and he comes back and he's changed out of his suit and tie and he's wearing like a bus driver's outfit. I'm like, Are you going to a party or something? He's like, no. He's like, I moonlight as a bus driver. I'm like, what? Wow. He's like, he's like, yeah. He's like, because he, he lived, he lived like, I don't know, like the ass end of New Jersey or, or New York. He lived a ways away. So what he did was because he was a licensed bus driver, he would drive from Metro North. He'd get a bus, he'd drive a busload of people in the morning to the city, leave them there. Another bus driver would take the next shift, and he but he that would be his commute. And then at night, his commute back home, he would just drive another busload of people. Drive, up. Wow. And he was like, he he's like, I love driving a bus, the power. I mean, he just had the whole thing. But you know, he's a he's a phenomenal musician and songwriter. He is a minister. I mean, just, just just a list of things. He's he's like he's lived life, man. You know, and that's I think what makes him a great writer, because uh, he's lived life and he understands people. And uh, I learned a ton from him. Um, and again, you know, he's he's uh, he's one of my mo most beloved uh, friends and also family. You know, because my my wife didn't know him back then, but now she does, and he comes and stays with us. And you know, it's. Uh, it's yeah, you know, it's that kind of thing. Yeah, I hope to meet him again in September. He's supposed to be in uh, Memphis for their uh -huh. their con. He, he's a he is a wonderful person to just yeah. sit and talk the entire industry with. I mean, you just don't, you know, you you see a person like Jim Shooter and you can know they could just spew stuff 
for hours, right. but to just sit sit there with him and listen to his experience, which is totally yeah. different. It is such a wonderful conversation. Yep. Yeah. Did did you ever think did you ever think that that sequence of events would lead to where you are today, editor in chief, uh, CCO, vice you know, president? In, in, term, in terms of the 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 business stuff, the corporate stuff, no, absolutely not. You know, I, as a kid reading Stan's soapbox, I didn't sit there and go, "Oh, that's that's a job I want someday," because I, I didn't think that was a detainable job, right? I, I, how do you become editor in chief or but but I'm very goal oriented. So when I got into comics, I had certain goals that I wanted to achieve. But they all but they all involved, you know, the writing and art end of it, right? And and, and things, stories that I wanted to get to, stories that I wanted to tell, the kinds of stories that I wanted to to, to, to draw and write, um, you know, because I didn't come in as a writer, but I wanted to eventually write my own stuff. But I knew I had a lot more to learn on that side than on, on the art side. I had a lot to learn on both sides, but really. It was the writing thing that, that I realized um, I needed to get, you know, I, I needed like a real coming to Jesus with myself and say, okay, how am I gonna, how am I gonna, you know, um, how am I gonna achieve this, right? How am I gonna prove those skills? So I worked really hard at that, and you know, hopefully it shows in the stuff that I do or will be doing. Um, but it was more about, you know, where I wanted to go as an artist, um, and, and hopefully, you know, maybe someday direct film and things like that. But it was. It was really, uh, it was nothing involving like, you know, oh, I want to run Mar- Marvel. No, who, I, again, I just, I may, maybe if you come in as an executive into the world of comics, mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, someday I'd like to run Marvel. But that was not, that was not on the bucket list. That, that, was that wasn't, problem. it wasn't on, it wasn't on the soundboard at all. Not at all, man, not at all. But I, but I could see how all the events that sort of led me there, led me there, you know, in, in retrospect. Um and uh, you know, if, if I if I look back on it, I'm like, okay, well, well, those successes brought me to this point, and and actually some failures brought me to that point. You know, uh, without the failures, you, you just you know, you, again, they're all part of the story, everybody's story. And so we get to another part. It's 1998 now. Marvel Comics has filed for right. bankruptcy, and they approach you and Jimmy Palmiotti and say, hey, we need you guys to do this thing for us, and we get Marvel Knights. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Marvel Knights just revolutionized that one imprint. Mar- probably saved Marvel, other than the money that came in from DC. I mean, from from Disney. But I mean, the two of you guys, when they approached you, how much involvement did Marvel have with putting Marvel Knights together, or did it just basically give it to you all and say, "Go with it"? Well, a little bit of both. So, so this started with um, Garib Seamus, who was the um, he was the CEO of Wizard Magazine. He owned Wizard. Yes. Garib Garib had a conversation with the CEO of Marvel at that time, uh, Joe Calamari, or as we affectionately refer to Joe, Joey Squid, uh, and we could refer to him. I mean, he 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 didn't mind. He was Joey Squid. So Joe Calamari. Um, was look at me. He's he's sitting in the in 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 the chapter eleven seat, right? And and he's trying to figure out ways to spark the company. And they had just done that whole Heroes Reborn thing with Image, right? Which sold some books, but was really a a a, a, a nightmare logistically for both Image and Marvel. And there's a lot of stuff. There's a much longer story there. But he was he met with Garib and he was trying to figure out what to do. So Garib had suggested he talk to us. And also, um, Brian Polito, Chaos Comics, who was doing a huh. great job with the horror stuff, right? Uh, Creative lady, lady did. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the, the hook with us was, like, you know, Gabriel's like, you've never seen guys hustle for more free press than those two guys. The, you know, he's like, he's like they're, they're in Wizard Magazine all the time because they just know how to get free press. They know they know the buttons to push and, and, and all the stuff to do, right? So Joe met with us. I can't speak about the 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 chaos comics being i mean although hang on, well i'll come back to that so so joe had sort of exploratory dinner with me and jimmy and you know talking about you know we're just looking for anything something to spark the line what could you guys do what could you guys bring to it now mind you this conversation is happening as like comic shops are closing everywhere 
uh, books are selling less and less and less. Um, so Jimmy and I come up with a strategy and, and, and we look at the characters that we really enjoy, which are, are sort of the more ground level characters, but also characters that we feel have been neglected. Um, Daredevil was probably about six issues away from being canceled. That's how badly he was doing. They were going to cancel Daredevil. Punisher didn't have a book anymore. And humans hadn't had a book in forever and were never able to sell any comic books. And the Black Panther, who is near and dear to my heart, and, and, and I think Jimmy's as well, was a character that I kept looking at going, why isn't this character one of the biggest characters in the Marvel Universe, right? And it's a character that I remember fondly from, from my childhood um, because he, the character, it's, one, it's the character that was instrumental in me seeing that Marvel was writing books about my world and my friends and a world that I wanted to live in. Um, so we put those on our list, a list of, it was our initial list. Those were the characters, right? And in humans were like, you know, there's something there, there's something really cool, but nobody's been able to tap into it. So we get a second meeting set up with Joe Calamari, a second dinner. And I lived, at that point, I lived three and a half blocks away from Barble. And the restaurant that we were going to was like two blocks away from where I lived. So, so Jimmy comes over to my place and we have a, you know, pre-meeting meeting. All right, this is what we're going to ask for. Blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, but you know what? We're going to ask for everything. So it's like, what? I'm like, we're going to ask for everything. When Joe says, what do we want to do? We're going to say, make us co-editor in chiefs. Let us run the whole thing. And we'll be, it'll be the most successful decision you've ever made in your life. All right? And Jimmy starts laughing. He's like, that's crazy. I say, of course it's crazy. He's not going to say yes to that. He's going to laugh at us. But then we could settle on four books, and it'll seem like a bargain. So we have this dinner with Joe, and you know, Joe says, oh, what do you guys want? And I said that. It's just make us quarter in chiefs. We'll fix this place. Within a year, we'll have it running. Uh, and Joe starts laughing. And he's like, how about if we give you four books? <laughs> Should have played a lot. Okay. All right, you know, let, let's do that, right? And and uh, I think he, pre I think he appreciated the brass that we had to ask for that. But you know, so we said, look, these are the four books we want, and they were, you know, because we also knew that, that they weren't going to give us Spider Man, they weren't going to give us X Men, right? They, they, they. I think he was thrilled with the fact that we took books that nobody cared about. So, and for us, there was nothing but upside at this point, right? Um, and, and the other thing that we asked for, which, which it benefited us, but it also made Marvel very, very happy because the, one of the biggest problems they had with Heroes Reborn was that the image guys were in California and on the West Coast, Marvel was on the East Coast, and made communication, the whole problem with these books being created away from Marvel editorial. So we said, you know what, and we're gonna, what we wanna do, and we were, we were legitimately concerned about this and really thought it was the best way to do it, but at the same time, we could really use the office space. We said, we will move into the Marvel offices. We want to move into the, because we, we would always hear these horror stories from Marvel editors saying how crappy they felt that their books were being taken away and done somewhere else and they had no control over it. I'm like, we want to be part of the of the of the of the editorial community. We want to go through all we don't just want our books blanketly approved. Whatever a Marvel editor has to do to get a book approved, we want to go through it. You know, so that editors cannot say that we are just being getting preferential treatment. So they set all that up, plus extra. So our stuff had to be like, like you know, not only did it have to go through editorial approvals, but Chris Claremont at that time was hired as a story editor. So Chris was in charge of editing, looking at all our stories and editing our stuff, which which probably was the toughest gauntlet we went through because Chris and I would butt heads on things all the time. I mean, we're still good friends, but it was just like, you know, we, we saw things a little bit differently. Uh, and some of the notes he gave me were really educational, but I think, you know, I hope Chris walked away, you know, with, with, with some other ideas as well. Um, but, but we also had free office space. We had, we got free office space at Marvel, which was great because, you know, now we could, we could, we could park everything there. I, you know, I was the only guy at Marvel who was actually drawing comics in the office. Um, uh, you know, there was a bullpen that would do, you know, touch-ups, corrections, maybe some lettering and stuff, but I was the only artist up there working, uh, which is always fun. 
and uh, we were editing and doing, it was just, it was, a, it was a crazy time. And, uh, but that's kind of how it came about. You know, it started with the conversation with Garib. Then Joe Calamari came in and he just took a flyer on us. And, and so what I was going to mention about chaos is chaos also launched a line of comics at the same time. You know, they, they had, they had like a hard line of comics that came out when Marvel Knights came out. Um, you know, and I, I just think, you know, the, the, the horror genre has never been something that has, you know, been like, something that Marvel is known for. So I, I think it may have suffered from that, you know, right. but, um, you know, it, Jimmy and I did, did what we did, which is we went out there and, you know, Marvel gave us some press, but we not, went out there and we started hustling and, 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 uh, uh, you know, uh, do whatever we could to, to, to just make some noise and get people interested in what we were doing. Uh, and I think also part of it was just like, people were like, these two clowns, these two clowns don't know anything, you know, uh, which just fueled us, just fueled us to do more. So, so be honest. Was there was there one character that you wish you would have asked for to include with the four? Well, yeah, I mean, sure, I would have looked at Spider Man, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> they're not going to give us Spider Man. No, I mean, we we got everything we asked for. You know, we we and and uh, I was ha- I I. It, the whole deal would have fallen apart if we hadn't gone. We, if they said no Punisher, no Inhumans, we would have found something else. But if they said no Daredevil, no Black Panther, we would have derailed the whole thing and said, "Yeah, we can't do this because then, then you know, we, we I needed at least two characters that I felt confident were just not being portrayed correctly that could be successful that fans were dying to get a good version of. So, uh, so those two were really, really important. Um, but no, they, they, again, I, we were very, very happy with, with what we got. I, I don't think there was anything that we were, you know, yeah, give us Spider-Man. Oh, how about Wolverine? We could be great with those. But they were doing okay on their own, you know. Okay. Well, so if if this is something that you can answer, yeah. let's, let's say you could have done Marvel Knights at DC. Who would those, char- who would those four characters be? Wow. Wow, I don't know. I'd have to really think about that. You should have prepped me for that question. Um, because I'd have to put myself back in 1998 and see what was happening there, right? Um, man, I'd have to really think about it. I don't know. Well, I I, don't know. I will give yeah. you into Fan Expo Canada. I, All right, cool. We'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about it then. Yeah. Because I, 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 I want to dig up some 1998 sales charts and see what was what was happening at DC and what was sort of like low hanging fruit that, that didn't feel like they were do, doing the right thing. But, you know, DC was in a different place. Also, DC was, to me, was a place where, where it was filled with some really great writers, you know? So, so I always looked at them to see, well, who could I poach to bring in as a writer to do stuff? Um, so, so I think they were doing a better job with their library at that time. Okay. Than, uh, than than Marvel was. But we will definitely but, come back to it. We would definitely. All right, cool. Back. That's a great question, man. Nobody's ever asked me that one. That's a good one. What was the, what was the weirdest project you worked on? And when I say weird, it, it doesn't mean bad, but weird in the sense of when you get into the research and the history, and you're just like, wow. I mean, was it something like Painkiller Jane or? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, the, the doing Ash, um, and it's prior to nine eleven. You know, doing Ash, we did a we did a ton of research. You know, we we hung out with with some firefighter friends. We, you know, I, I have I have photo albums filled with photo reference that I was taking. You know, in the firehouse and the equipment and stuff. So I've always been a, a research bug. I think um, I'm trying to think of uh, what was weird. Um, I mean, I remember when I got the assignment for the Ray. It's funny because I was just looking through some old photographs, and these turned up. When when pre, Jim Owsley gave me the assignment for the Ray, the Ray was took place in Philadelphia. And I, you know, I live in New York, and I was already what was I twenty nine, thirty at this point. I had never been to Philadelphia, <laughs> just never been. It's literally like a you know two hour train ride away. So I went to Philadelphia. I just walked around the city taking photos and, and catching that Philadelphia vibe and, and, and trying to figure out what, you know, and again, I wasn't writing the book. I was just drawing the thing, but I, but I, I, I do a ton of research in that sense, you know, when it, when it comes to the projects I do, because I, I feel it adds a, a level of authenticity, especially if it's something I don't know anything about. I want to make sure that it comes across authentic, whether, whether it's 
a place, a universe, or a character. You know, uh, you know, most of the characters that I've created come from a place of like I know somebody like that, or I've experienced that in my own life. Um, and I think the 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 probably the, it's not the craziest project I ever did, but but a project that I that I, that I committed to that I really I don't ever talk about this, but that I committed to that I was like. Not that I, I, I promised the person. It was, it was, uh, what was what was Glenn Danzig's comic book company? Was it Veronica? Does that sound right? Veronica, something like that. It was something like that. But I can Google yeah, yeah, yeah. it while you. But you know, it, it, it was it was a very, uh, you know, it it had real adult stuff in it, right? And and I like Glenn a lot. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someday I'll someday I'll do something for you. Not thinking about it. And and then and then he called in the marker, and he wanted me to do a short story, and it was about um, it was about this 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 vampire girl, and 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 you know, and she's new throughout the whole thing, and then there was like when I got the script, there's like this huge orgy in in, in the background of one of the scenes, and I'm like, I don't, you know, it, at conventions, I've I, I've sometimes have fans come in and say, hey, can you draw this character nude? And I'm always like. No, I don't do that. Right? It's not that I'm a prude or whatever. It's just, it's just, you know, I, I have certain uh, certain things that I do and I don't do. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and so I get this script with this orgy scene in the background, and I'm like, I, I can't draw this. So I hired a background artist who was good at doing that stuff. So I drew like the main figure in the foreground, and the background artist with the town, and drew this like crazy orgy scene and i'm like that's pretty damn good but you know it, it just it was just it was crazy but i I, just, I could only draw part of that book because it just uh it, it's just you know not the again i don't people people that, that that draw erotica man it's awesome it's just something that i just didn't want you know necessarily it, it wasn't something. you yeah you know it, it's like you know i got a daughter now you know so it's like Glad I didn't, you know. Uh, and that story came out pretty good, you know. The 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 actual you know artwork wasn't bad, but I found myself in a bind where I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just be glad. <laughs> so since leaving Marvel, you've been still a quite a busy person working on some things with Amazon, but as of late, you've been drawing some variant covers for Detective Comics and Batman. Yes, is. Is this Batman we're seeing on these variant covers? Is has this always been your vision of the character, or has, or has it evolved over time? No, my, my my Batman has always been the short-eared Batman. Okay, you know, short ears. Uh, it's you know I don't think he's unlike the Batman that you see in sort of Azrael, except that I just I draw better now. You know, I look back on those pages, and I thank God for Kevin Nolan to ink me and fix some of that stuff. Um, but it's pretty much the same Batman. You know, my, my Batman tends to be, uh, I think I draw a Batman that's that's sort of in his mid-30s, uh, stockier, yeah. you know, more imposing in that sense. Um, uh, grizzled, you know, under the mask. Uh, but the, the short ears, man, that, that, that I, you know, I, I never got, the, I, I just, I was never attracted to the long ears. Um, so uh, I remember when I first got the, the first Batman cover and Ben Abernathy, uh, who's the editor? I said. I said, "Hey, I hope you don't mind. I like the short-eared Batman." He's like, "No, we're cool with that." I'm like, "But you know, I'm thinking about doing, think about doing something different. What if I do one long and one short ear, right?" And, and, and we were just kidding, of course. But you know, Ben was like, uh, "Yeah, I don't think that's gonna work." <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I've always, I just, I've always liked that, preferred that look. Uh, it's the same thing with Daredevil. Like, there's some artists who like to draw the Daredevil horns like really long, yeah. like the smaller brace. It's just, just, uh, it's just a personal, personal preference. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I, I too am a. What's your favorite? I, I am a fan of the short hair. Like, sure is, yeah. It, I, I love Kelly Jones, but Kelly yeah. Jones Batman with the super long ears. It's, it's it not the character Kelly, I right? grew up. It works for some yeah. people, but it's not, it's yeah. not the character I grew up on. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with, and again, no slight to it. I mean, like Batman in armor, it just doesn't, you know, it, it just, it, it takes so much away from, you know, I, I always love that moment in Dark Knight, right, where, where where Frank Miller has, has you know, Batman say, you know, this this thing is yellow on my chest because it's a target, you know? Um, 
and I just I just think the fact that he is somewhat vulnerable, uh, you know, uh, in that costume just adds an element of uh, is it smart? No, it probably isn't smart, but you know, maybe Batman, uh, you know, uh, needs to, you know likes to feel a little pain to get the you know to get the edge on, so to speak. Hey, it worked yeah. for most of his eighty year career, so yeah. I, I, yeah. I have no problem with it. So just cool. just a few more questions. So yeah. I would be remiss if I didn't ask this. One more day. Yeah. Do you find it weird that fans still find it contentious more than a decade later? Sixteen years later. Yeah. Sixteen years later. Um. So so I have, I have a few thoughts on this. Number one, when we did. We knew it was going to be contentious. Absolutely. None of this is a surprise. The, the thing about Spider-Man fans, and, and, and this is, there is a difference between Spider-Man fans and fans of any other character in comics. I don't say this in a derogatory sense. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's a tribute to the character that those of us that love the character take the things that happen to him and his universe personally. Because we all see ourselves inside of that suit. We all see ourselves as Peter Parker. By the way, I also think that's the beauty of, of, of the construction of Miles Morales' character. They managed to tap into that everyman quality where we all see ourselves as Miles, right? And so every generation of Spider fans grows up with their version of Spider-Man. And when those things get changed or altered, it becomes personal. And I get it, right? I get it. And, and, and the switch that flips is that we, the creators, who are uh, the, the fans perceive Spider-Man as a three-dimensional flesh and blood. Uh, Peter Parker is a three-dimensional flesh and blood human being who walks amongst us, right? Who's got crappy stuff that happens to him. And then they view us creators as two-dimensional villains on paper who are twisting our mustaches saying, ha, 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 look what we did to your favorite character, which is, of course, not the case. But I understand the impulse. So so the fact that what's really, what's very interesting is that over the course of these years, because, you know, of internet and trolling and, you know, God forbid you say something that goes against, you know, whatever thinking is, you know, the popular thinking at the time, I can't tell you how many people come to me at a signing and go, and literally, but it's like it's, it's like a drug deal, Theo. They, they lean in and they go, so you know, I really liked one more day. And they look over their shoulders like like you know, like, like it's, it's <laughs> like, like they, the spider police is going to come to bust yeah, them, they right? Can't, they can't have the other man hear them. Right? And, and, and so, but I remember when, when one more day came out, Tom DeFalco, who was the editor-in-chief who's two editor-in-chiefs prior to me, right, who I love dearly, came into my office one day, and I just got the door, I peeked in, and he goes, thank you. I'm like, thank you for what, Tom? He's like, nobody's talking about the clone saga anymore. <laughs> and I just burst out laughing, right? Because before one more day, Tom was the most hated man in comics for the clone saga, yep. right? That generation of Spider-Man fans weren't having it. Now they look back on the clone saga and like, oh, it's kind of fun, you know. So, so I saw Zeb Wells recently, like two oh. weeks ago. I saw, him, I saw Zeb at a party, and I went, Zeb, like what? I'm like, thank you. <laughs> Why? I'm like, nobody's yelling about one more day right now, and he starts laughing. And then I tell the Tom DeFalco story, I'm like, I'm just paying it forward, man, you know. But. Again, it's symptomatic. Not symptomatic. It, it, it is. It is. It tells you how passionate Spider-Man fans are. And but my goal as editor in chief was to make sure that Spider-Man was 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 back to how he was originally intended to create to, to 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 be. Because the marriage, the history of the marriage, was a publicity stunt, a rushed publicity stunt. It wasn't meant to happen. But now you have a generation of people that grew up with this marriage and stuff, and 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 it wasn't, it didn't it didn't allow us to tell the best Spider-Man stories possible, right? People look, you know, there were things online about like, yeah, you know, uh, uh, the reason Casada wanted to wanted to have Peter be unhappy is because he's been divorced several times, and I'm thinking, okay, so hang on a second, 
So you think that that I would want to put my unhappiness onto a fictional character? And you think Marvel would allow me to do this? And, oh, by the way, I've never been divorced. Um, it's just, but there were all these crazy theories where literally what I was looking at was the health of the character and, and the future of the character. And I knew that, you know, it'll be a generation or two that eventually will will not know a married Peter Parker and prefer him the way that he's actually was he was actually meant to be um and so that that you know so so it, it's it's a I, I watch it with great interest I watch and I watch people you know tell me how upset they are about something a breakup that happened 16 years ago that is probably you know I mean you know I remember I think I broke apart I broke up with a girlfriend 16 years ago i just don't remember still lingering on it you know it's just it's that personal to spider-man fans which again it's a testament to the character it's a testament to the fans love of the character um and i just view it with like it's 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 like something that i've never seen before and now you know now zeb is getting it right and you know 10 years from now somebody else will get it because change is hard you know changes changes a a, a tough thing but he's also writing a great spider-man story so I'm just sitting back and reading and enjoying it. Yeah, I, I will admit I stopped reading after one more day. I was one of okay. the I was one of the you know, back back in 07. But again, that's after Civil War and everything. And again, like you said, Peter's identity and everything else wasn't meant to last forever. And some type of way it had to revert. And yeah, and, and and the thing is, the thing is this that there were there were two ways to write the marriage, right? One is you're happy-go-lucky, nothing ever goes wrong, right? Um, which after a while, from a dramatic point of view, storytelling point of view, becomes tiresome and boring, and and people would lose interest in those characters, especially a guy that jumps out a window to save other people's lives, leaving behind his wife. The other way to write it would be to write a relationship where there was a lot of strain and stress and bickering. And in which case, what are you saying about marriage? Right. And I remember it was his, uh, Chris Rock um, had a bit in his root in his comedy routine where he said, you know, my life as a married man, this is before he got divorced. Of course, my life as a married man is I'm so much happier, so much more stable. Uh, I love it. It's like my life as a single man was much more interesting. Makes for greater stories. You know, I tell better stories when I was single than when I, because when I'm married, I'm happily married. Really? It's just, I'm happily married, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, and some people may say, well, what's wrong with doing that? Well, it, it, there's nothing wrong with it, but we're looking for dramatic tension, right? So, um, so, you know, Peter Peter and Mary Jane getting into a situation where, as a married couple, one of them says, well, if you don't fix this, I'm leaving, right, is very, very different than as a couple that's dating and one of them saying, well, if you don't fix this, I'm leaving, right? And you don't want a divorce. And then you don't – I didn't want to kill Mary Jane off. There was so many of these things. But, but we – but the truth of the matter is that the decision was made upon the fact that Ever since I've been up as Marvel as a freelancer, every editor-in-chief was looking for a way out of this marriage, every single one of them. They just didn't know necessarily either how to do it or didn't feel like they could get away with it um, once it was done. But from the day they got married, everybody knew it was a mistake. Everybody. And so I, I felt like Marvel myself had earned enough credit that we could take the shots to the jaw, which inevitably came, and it's fine, you know, it, it was fine. But 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 we got it done. I think Spider Man, the character itself, is is much healthier um, this way because the other thing to look at is there's not a single portrayal of Peter Parker as Spider Man. I mean, it's different in Miles because it's a future Peter, blah blah. blah. But he's always single, you know. He's always a young man, single, trying to make his way in the world, you know. And like I told fans, nothing says that he and Mary Jane can't be together. You know, it was this the whole marriage thing that was a real, real issue to get around in terms of like long form storytelling. It was an albatross. Yeah, and, and look, I get it. Some fans wanted, you know, I want Peter to grow old with me. 
Okay, that's fine. So two things. What about the kid that wants to pick up Spider-Man for the first time tomorrow, right? The eight-year-old kid who might want, or the 10-year-old kid. Um, and secondly, to what extent should he become a father and then a grandfather? And does he die? I mean, how how far are we taking Peter Parker with you, right? So I understand, again, I understand a, a fan's feelings about that, but at Marvel, we have it's it's long-term thinking it's the health of the characters moving forward so you you know you try not to age them too quickly you know you, you we can do alternate universe stories where they're as old as we want but for the for the for the core characters and fans that are the unfans yet unborn we have to yeah. think about you know those kids yeah and, and eventually i came back to peter and spider-man you know because yeah. again there was the the outrage the, but as the story evolved and as me as a reader evolved, you kind of take that different look at the, yeah. at what happened and possibly how it happened. And while you still may, you got to understand, yeah. you got to go with the story, too. You got to go with the story. Listen, I, had, I had people yell at me because I, I will read stop smoking. <laughs> nobody cares about Wolverine. Nuts. I mean, really, nobody nobody remembers fans say used to smoke. Yeah, you look at some of those old issues. He smokes like a like a fiend, you know. Same oh yeah, Fury. Uh, nobody cares anymore. But but it was it was. I'm like, really? You guys are you guys are pro smoking? Wow. Okay. Um, but again, I, I just know it's change. It's it's outrage, and uh, it's all okay. I, I that stuff doesn't bother me an iota, to be honest with you. So this is going to be my last question. All right. So yeah. you you walked away from Marvel. Well, you, you've left Marvel. You're doing your thing with Amazon, but. You're being more of a creator now. You're drawing more. Are you happy to do, to be drawing more again? Oh yeah, no. I mean, look, the, the well, first of all, I it's not like I, I I left Marvel for Amazon. The Amazon thing came after, right? right? That, that that's that you know they they it, it, it was it was doing that was free. The people started you know calling me, and Amazon seemed like a really like the best place for me to to to, to start. I work with them. I'm exclusive to them. But the the thing that I found. Um, you know, Marvel and I parted ways. I, I, I think next to Stan, I may be the only editor in chief that walked away kind of unscathed. You know what I mean? Like, I, I love my friends at Marvel. I love the characters. I love the company. I love Disney. I've got no issues. They they, they gave me a life that I could never have had. Um, and I still work for them. I still do stuff for them. So, uh, and I got a lot of friends there. So, uh, I'm always rooting for Marvel. And, but, but you know the, the the first thing that became clear was when I started getting calls to to, to do other projects I'm like oh wow this feels really really weird when I got the call to do the Batman covers and I and I was working on my first Batman cover I, I emailed Marie Javins and, and and Ben Abernathy my editor and I said this feels kind of naughty it feels like I shouldn't be doing this <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> I feel and and the one thing that the one thing that was a real surprise was, um, you know, I, w I was fully expecting the creative autonomy and all those sort of things, and, and, it's, and it's nice to do stuff that, that that's that's my own at this point. But um, it, it's it, it was having meetings with people again during my tenure at Marvel. People would meet me and say, "Hey, could we could we coax you to come here to come there or do this?" And I'm like, "Guys, I'm exclusive to Marvel. I can't even hear this offer." You know, I just just stop, right? And I was even with friends. I, I couldn't couldn't talk to them about certain things. And I remember having lunch with with a pal of mine who who would who would ask me to do a few things. I'm like, "You could ask me anything you want right now." And I was like, "Wow, that's a weird feeling, right? To just be able to to, to take in offers and listen to them, and not immediately just say, I 'I don't I don't want to leave my job,' right? Um, so I, I keep telling people it's it's I've been I was it, it was like being married to the same creative wife for 22, 24 years, if you count Marvel Knights. And now I'm playing creative Tinder and it's kind of, kind of fun, you know, just to, just to see what's out there. Oh, okay. Oh, you know, swipe left, uh, swipe right. Yeah. And, and, and also doing, doing my own personal stuff, which I've been putting on hold for a long, I mean, I knew this day was coming. So I have a, a laundry list of personal projects that I wanted to do. So I'm working on those and, um, you know, and even my exit from Marvel, 
you know, that was already a, a two-year conversation with our with our CEO, Dan Buckley, you know, before we got to that point. So um, I'd done, you know, Brian Bendis was the guy who drove it home one day when we were just talking about where we were in our careers. And then he said to me, he's like, what, just to ask you, what do you have, what do you have left to do over there? You know, what, what, what have you, what have you, what haven't you done? And I, I never thought about that. And it really hit me home. And it's just like, yeah, I kind of, I've kind of done everything to do at Marvel, you know, and, and being very goal oriented. I'm like, just, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just treading water. Um, so maybe, you know, we're getting close to that time. And then, you know, COVID and all that sort of stuff sort of derailed a lot of things, but, um, but yeah, it's, it, I, 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 I'm having a blast. I'm working harder than ever. Uh, and I think my, my, my new goal is, uh, like I said, we, we, we are, we are, we were at Marvel, you're a creative trust fund baby because you're, you know, you're, you're given this, this bank vault filled with beautiful and rich characters in a universe. You just, you just inherit it. And then it's up to you to see if you can make it more profitable and, and healthier. Um, but you're always a Marvel trust for baby. So I'd like to see if what happens with my stuff without the Marvel brick as a net and, or DC, you know, bullet as a net and just see, you know, if I can, uh, if I could land that, you know, whatever, uh, triple quadruple spin on the trapeze and nail it, you know, um, without, without, you know, without that muscle behind me. So, you know, it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a test for myself. Well, I will definitely have your, your Twitter information. I will have your Substack information in the show yeah. notes so that fans can follow and subscribe. Uh, because I'm, I'm I'm definitely interested in in that book you're looking that course you're looking at redoing again that that is yeah, yeah. that yeah, is it, very again, interesting. Just, it's, just, it's just a matter of typing it up. Uh, I, I have a I have a you know I have it typed up somewhere, but it's like turning it into a post. Um, the other thing about the about the Substack is that that it's free. You know, so there, there's there's no charging for it. There's no, just subscribing is free, uh, and it, it's. You know, again, it's just me talking, telling some stories, um, giving folks, you know, whatever knowledge I've acquired, your mileage may vary, you know, depending on what you want to do and whether whether you like what I'm preaching or not. But um, but it's, I'm just having fun talking to fans and, 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 and you know, just, just putting some of the history out there uh, from my point of view. And uh, because, you know, because, you know, people like yourself, fans out there. You guys have given me this career, this life. You pay my rent. You pay my rent, and and I wouldn't be here without any of you. So uh, that's why I don't charge for this because I just figure, you know, you guys have bought enough stuff for me, and maybe you'll buy some stuff in the future. But I got to give something back. So uh, it's that that's been the best part. It's just like the engagement with folks saying, "Oh man, this is fun. Cool. That's all I want to hear." Yeah. That's great. Joe Casada, thank you so much. This has been a no, wonderful, you. wonderful experience. Uh, I will see you in a couple of weeks in Toronto Absolutely. at the Metro Convention Center, and we'll have a follow-up conversation on that uh, Marvel Knights yeah. for DC question. And yeah. uh, I'm going to think about this, and I'll give you my answers, and then you could you could talk about them in some subsequent uh, some subsequent you know. Uh, a podcast or whatever it is that you're, you know, are we, are, is this a podcast or is it be both? It's a podcast. Live? It's okay, a podcast. Cool. You can go to town, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, but this has been a pleasure, man. Thank you for the questions. Really insightful. Thank you. It's always thank, a joy. You, thank you so yeah. much. I really appreciate it. Awesome, man. So, again, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview between me and Joe Casada. I want to thank him again for taking time out of his busy schedule to sit down with me. And I also want to thank the folks over at Fan Expo HQ and Touchwood PR for um, making arrangements and uh, getting Joe and I connected so that we could sit down and, and talk again. That was quite a conversation. I truly enjoyed it and, and truly appreciated him uh, taking the time to answer the questions that I had and, and I would have been remiss, as I mentioned, if I didn't bring up uh, the one more day uh, controversy that has plagued Spider-Man for all these years. 
And uh, he had a wonderful answer to it. Uh, it's something that I never really thought about. Not totally sure I 100% agree with it, but it makes total sense uh, with the way that he explains. But again, thanks to Joe, thanks to the folks at Touchwood PR and Fan Expo HQ. Again, if you guys are going to be in the Toronto area uh, this weekend, actually beginning this Thursday, stop by the Metro Convention Center, visit Joe's table, visit all of the other guests and panels that they're going to have there uh, at Fan Expo Canada beginning this Thursday through Sunday at the Metro Convention Center. So, what's been going on here at the Comic Bend? Well, there's been a couple of things that have kind of caused me to be on hiatus, at least with the Comic Bend. Uh, and it goes back a few months, so actually it goes back a few years. So, as many of you know, uh, for the past few years, I've been contributing to the Batman universe either as a comic book reviewer or as a podcast host. Uh, as you know, I am one of the co-hosts of the Batman Universe comic podcast uh, with my friends Ian and Steph. Uh, but a few years ago, uh, I actually partnered with the owner of the website and uh, was more or less a silent partner as uh, he ran things. Well, earlier this year, uh, the founder of the Batman universe, Dustin, uh, decided to move on into the next phase of his uh, personal career, and he stepped down from the website. And in doing so, he uh, presented me the opportunity to take the reins as editor-in-chief over there. So uh, I am now in dual roles as editor-in-chief, not only at the comicbookspot.com, which is the home of this podcast, but also uh, serving as the editor-in-chief over at the batmanuniverse.net. And so I've been away just learning the ins and outs of how the site was run and getting feedback from the staff there with regards to their roles and what they do and uh, why they do it and where they would like to see things go and then just putting thoughts into what's next, not only for uh, the Batman universe, but also for the comic book spot and in turn the comic book. Been uh, comic book podcasts as well, and so first of all, the comic Ben isn't going anywhere. Uh, I, I hope to be back on a more regular schedule with episodes and actually having more folks uh, involved in the podcast. Uh, but you're going to be seeing a lot more. I am uh, if you actually go to the website right now uh, at the comic bookspot.com, you'll see that we're kind of linking things between the two sites as I have been posting articles from the batmanuniverse.net over there as well. Uh, so we're expanding uh, and we're growing and so we're not going anywhere. Uh, we're actually getting bigger and uh, I hope that you all hang on with us and actually become a part of uh, this family that we are growing. Uh, we are looking for more writers. If you are interested in writing reviews or articles either for the Batman universe or for the comicbookspot.com, uh, reach out to me either at tbu at the batmanuniverse.net or at theo at the comicbookspot.com and I'll get an application over to you so that you can uh, hopefully join the staff and be a part of the family. Uh, again, we're, we're, we're looking at doing a lot of great things as we um, meld these two sites together and, and make it a, make it a huge family for comic book fans near and far. Uh, 
So that's what's been going on. And like I said, I am I am not going anywhere. We're going to be getting back on schedule with episodes of the Comic Pen Comic Book Pack podcast. And uh, I hope you continue listening and supporting the show. But that is going to be it for this episode. Again, I want to thank you all for your continued support and until next time, keep reading those comics. <laughs>